10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, and welcome to the EMS Improv Podcast, where we engage, where we are mindful, and we tell or share our stories. We are powered by GEMS. Our guest today is Aaron Rohn. He's a PhD and has MPA. He is uh, the current Bureau Director at Pennsylvania Department of Health of EMS. He is also a part-time faculty with Columbia Southern University EMS Administration Programs. Aaron is an educated gentleman. He's also passionate about service to others, um, understanding roles and responsibilities, leadership, management, education, which are a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today. Um, he attended North Central University, where he received his PhD in organizational leadership. He has a public administration degree, as we said, and he has a degree or MS in emergency management. He's also done some cool things like his master exercise uh, practitioner from FEMA and numerous other cer certifications where he's a seeker of knowledge and education to form ways to better engage uh, people that he encounters. Aaron Roan, you are from the, the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I also shared that uh, title when I lived there and grew up on the other side of the state. Um, I'd like to welcome you very much to the EMS Improv podcast and uh, thank you. And just for the listeners, where we where we talk about engage and being mindful, Aaron and I were to have met uh, and do this recording last Thursday evening and free tickets to college football uh, became an opportunity for my wife and I. And I reached out to Aaron and he gave me permission to, to go. So he was very uh, supportive of that opportunity. I know you're a big Penn State fan, um, Happy Valley and all that good stuff. And uh, we went and attended where, where I'm currently a student at Oklahoma State, uh, the Oklahoma State um, Cowboy football. And uh, both teams, if, if I remember, uh, Penn State did win. And I know Oklahoma State won despite uh, kind of a, a defense that looked like Swiss cheese. So. Uh, without further ado, back back on the topics that we'll get into, but Aaron Rohn, ladies and gentlemen, on the EMS Improv Podcast. Welcome, Aaron. Eric, it's great to be here. I appreciate you having me. And I, I just want to be clear, I didn't let you go. It was one of those ones of you have to understand in any leadership role and any network capability that there has to be a good, fair balance between work, life, school, and everything else that's going on in the world. And when those opportunities present themselves, you need that flexibility. And honestly, I appreciate it because in the same aspect, you made sure that I was able to do some things as well, too. So it's a give and take kind of relationship. So that that resonates very well with me and hopefully with our listeners. Um, I'm currently uh, involved in a conversation and, and he's uh, he's been a guest on the podcast. Um, he's, a, he's a leader and an owner of an EMS agency in South Carolina. Ryan Thorne, but we we're, we talk about accountability conversations and how to normalize them. And you brought up two really key points, and we're going to get kind of heavy and down and dirty, but but it's something that you're passionate about with not only your education, but you're you're matriculating into leadership positions and administrative roles where um, you find the balance between the two. So fair balance is one of the keys that you mentioned, and I want you to explain what that means to you and, and how that resonates with you as not only a leader, but as a manager, because I think we have to be both. And then flexibility um, to accept and understand that we're working with humans and that we're not bots and robots where we would uh, easily like to just put somebody into a role and that they don't get sick, they don't have life, they don't have family, they don't have concerns and things like that. So you mentioned fair and balance, you mentioned flexibility. And as a leader and as a manager to have both do you feel that you have even a better uh, work-life balance because you're able to accept that other things happen and then are additive to what, what, what is going on? So I'm curious what your thoughts are. So I, I think, Eric, one of the biggest things that we all struggle with in emergency services and EMS as a whole is we're all very much type A personalities and we want to get the job done. And that issue of, as you're asking me if I find it, I have a better work-life balance. No, there's still struggles there too, but it's one of those ones to your point of we're not robotic. We're not, you know, expected to come in every day and not have issues at home that are weighing on us or outside personalities. You know, there, there's a whole bunch of things happening in our lives. And then we go into these high stress environments of work relations and trying to balance all those out. 
it really takes a leader and management team. And I, I, there's a big difference in leadership and management. And I don't know if we have enough time to get into all those, but when we start looking at leadership as the person taking charge of the organization, you don't always need rank to be a leader. We need to be able to have that understanding that we're there to look at our partner and know them well enough to say, hey, look, I think something's going on. Can we talk? Having those and navigating those difficult conversations are some things that we struggle with. And it kind of goes back to the idea that you were saying about wrapping everything up into a nice, neat bow or putting it into a, a unified package is we assume that in leadership, you have to get to a certain theory, whether it's autocratic leadership, authoritative leadership, servant leadership, we have to get into this one little box. And really, we don't. We need to look at it as a bigger theory called contingent leadership theory. And in that case, we're looking at I'm passionate on the servant leadership side. I believe that when we're hiring somebody into our organization, we need to bring them in with the idea that we're going to engage them in a passion that they have to grow not only within our organization, but prepare them for their future, which may include leaving our organization. If someone leaves my organization, I don't see it as a negative. I see it as a positive because they're now finding additional growth. You know as well as I do, EMS doesn't have a great career growth ladder in some cases in specific agencies. So giving them that opportunity and ability to grow within themselves and their skill set to better themselves in the career growth is amazing and really lies back into that servant leadership. Now, we all know that when everything's going down and we're on scene and the lights and sirens are hitting and we're out there, there's that time where the chief or that leader of the organization needs to be that authoritative. Here's my directive. Here's the rules you need to play by. And this is the mission you will do. So we need to kind of work those all together. But one of the things that I, I've really tried to implement in any of the rules that I have for leadership is a, a theory that I learned from a dear friend of mine. And uh, he's pretty well known in different circles in the EMS world from Rob Lawrence is management by walking around. You can't just sit in your office and expect your agency or your organization to run and people do what you want them to do. You need to go out and connect and have that human interaction with them. You know, I, I will say that we have some events coming up that, you know, as a director or as a leader, I could sit in my office and send staff out and never be part of that. But I won't ask someone to do something I won't do myself. So I'm going out, I'm talking with them, I'm finding out what's happening in their lives. Usually every morning when I walk into the office, I'm trying to stop by everyone's office space and say, hey, how was your weekend? What, what did you do? How's your family? How's this? I want to know something about my people and care about them because when something is going wrong in their personal life, I want them to be able to talk to me. So um, all of those things really resonate well with me. Uh, it, it's part of the conversation that I like having in, in creating that atmosphere or environment when uh, you have to have an accountability conversation that uh, you create that sense of normalcy by being that manager or that leader uh, or the combination of the two that is one that is walking around so that when you come into their work space, their work area, their EMS station, they know you, you have a, a level of a relational interaction and it's not just transactional. You did this, I have to do this. Here's your repercussions. Come back in three days after you serve your time off. Um, there, there's an actual exchange of, of hu human uh, goodwill and, and understanding that, you know, you are no different than who you are um, uh, before you got the position, other than the fact that you have other responsibilities at this point. And I'm curious, you mentioned Rob Lawrence. So uh, was this with Rob that you, that you had this uh, project with or this interaction or, or that you heard from Rob? So I, I engaged Rob in one of my classes I was teaching okay, because of his experience through several agencies in his current role of, you know, when you grow in a career ladder, and I, I will say that my career ladder has definitely not been one that I would have expected when I got my initial certification. You know, it's taken me in different perspectives and taken me to um, being on an ambulance full time to working in emergency management, dealing with a nuclear power plant to the state training side for emergency management to the Department of Health. Like I've bounced around a lot in that and always trying to find mentors or others that have experience in different fields that can give you tips and tricks along the way you know i've often seen managers come in they walk into their office they close the door they sit back in their office all day and 
the only way that you have interaction with them is if you go seek them out. And that turns into a lot of, and when you talk about the accountability side of conversations, it turns into a lot of gotcha moments when they're coming out to talk to you. Like, why are they here? What are we doing? What do we do wrong? That doesn't work in a lot of places, especially with adults. You, you're looking at them from a perspective of their position. And most adults have the idea of we're doing something because there's a benefit or something in it for me. Um, I often call it a whiffum statement or what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all do something because there's something in it for me, like seeking education. Why, why do we do that? Because it's going to advance me. There's always this process there. But when you're learning from mentors and you're asking them what works, applying it and seeing how you can adapt it. There, there's no one, you know, one size fits all walking around management style. You know, some people don't appreciate that. But it also changes the accountability conversations when you are now a human connection to your senior leadership. You're not just a number. You're not just a spoke in the cog of the wheel. They know you. They know, you know, if you have an employee who's consistently coming in late, well, what's going on in your life? You have two small children. Is it because there's a transition in child care? What, what, what's the issue? What can we do to help you be successful in your job? That empowers them to want to stay and work with you because you're now giving them a connection and showing that you have value to them and they have value to you. Yeah, perspective is so um, important. And I'm curious, because we have all fallen, we have all been ineffective in in our different roles as managers, leaders. Um, Do you find that in your experiences uh, and or how would you best describe, is it a a fear? Is it an imposter syndrome? Is it a lack of knowledge, skills, and abilities? Um, Combination of all the above. There, there's something that resonated with you when you started your leadership track and your education um, and those higher level, uh, you know, courses um, that you're doing research and you're re- reviewing things and you're interviewing people and you're studying and, and then you're writing. Um, so something uh, for, for those that have not done that level of daunting work, um, it's 3 a.m. and you're and you're sleep deprived because you're working and you're a full-time student uh, that, that just illuminated in your mind that was just here is something that I had to see or feel in this kind of sleep deprived state or whatever the case may be that just resonated really with you um, that are factors for why we're less successful. Um, so I, I think... Go ahead. I think the thing that truly really set it off for me the most was when I was doing my doctoral study. So my doctoral study focused on leadership development using problem-based learning, the servant leadership theories, and the National EMS Management Association's core pillars of their, their leadership program. And as I was interviewing people along the way, I, I think that some key themes popped out. One kind of goes back to where we talked earlier about the people that I interviewed seemed to think that they had to fit into one leadership theory and that had to be their practice and that had to be their best thing that they were good at, you know, not looking at it from the broad perspective of you can roll bits and pieces of all of them in based off of the situation you're currently put in. And, you know, when you're talking about accountability conversations and you have to discipline someone for not following protocol well did we just go to straight to the discipline side of things or did we try to talk to them and find out what's going on what's impacting them why are they struggling in their life ahead of time or do we just automatically go to that discipline because we're not there the the next major thing that really stood out to me is you know i knew it but when you're doing research and you're learning and you're trying to get past your own internal biases you want to look at things from a, a, a outside view is we eat our own. We don't open discussions to empower people to lead without rank. And as soon as we give someone a rank, we give them, here's what you can do in your authorities. Don't try to do anything more than that because then you are capable of taking my job and I become less valuable. Mm-hmm. We should never have the fear of someone's more educated or capable of doing our job that we'll lose our job. We should always be striving for that next level of learning. And, you know, I, 
while I'm not seeking currently another degree, I will never stop learning. I will find things throughout the course of my time that maybe a certification or maybe a class somewhere along the way that will help me grow not only as a clinician, but in my general life. You have to look at that as a opportunity to grow and apply it to our agencies. And the, the third major thing that really stood out to me was when we're talking with people about where we are going and what we're doing, we struggle with the concept of, and when I say we, I'm talking the EMS industry, and I hate the term industry. We're more than just an industry, but there's no real other descriptor that gives us a good working title. And if someone has it, I'd love to hear it. But I, I think that we don't look at continuing to advance. We start looking at the how do we change standard to make it easier, but yet we still want to be considered the professional. We want to keep growing. And to do that, we have to look at the process and not water things down, but continue to push forward. And I think part of that is we have some leadership in some agencies, again, personal perception that we've done it this way for time and memorial and it's worked. Well, it may be working in your perspective, but if you haven't looked at outside agencies and you haven't looked at other things that may be working better, are you stagnating to the point where you may be working towards demise? You have touched on a lot of things, Aaron, and my pen was writing all over my notebook that you saw me writing on earlier. Um, I want to go to this um, for a moment, if you will allow when you were talking about bias, I think that is so important. And if we, my feelings, if we don't interact, if we don't seek education outside of the normal pathways, the, the very linear, um, and, and, and uh, forgive me for saying this, um, rather um, constricting and, and with, with the inability to to significantly advance, whether it be in career or matriculate to different positions, because um, we do cut one another down. We do eat our own. That reminded me of, uh, of, of a Kelly Grayson, Chris Sebaguero um, article and podcast uh, in, in one of the presentations that Kelly Grayson would do um, when he would go on the national speaking tour and, and talking about, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we really need to stop doing this. Um, you all come in with your own motivations and factors and, and human uh, in, intrinsic qualities uh, and frailties. Um, but yet when you see somebody else doing something and it's foreign to you um, or, or you don't have the time, the wherewithal, the bandwidth to do what they're, what they're successfully doing, we want to take them out at the knees and, and they become the pariah or, oh, they're trying to take my job or look at, look at them. Who do they think they are? you know, being smart, studying and things like that. I mean, I've had, I've had coworkers in the past say um, when I had a, a very sick patient and clinically um, I knew what I knew and yet that still left a gaping hole of, of knowledge and, and, and ability to uh, appropriately take care of uh, that person. Uh, so I spent three or four hours over the, over the midnight hour um, doing a deep dive in, into that very specific clinical circumstance. And, and I had that, exp I expressed that to my coworker uh, later that day. And, and they said, well, of course you would do that. And, and it wasn't like, wow, that's great. And, and I'm glad that, you know, you were able to give me a little bit more information and that what we were doing and what you were talking about was rooted in science. Um, but it was, it was more of a smear and just one of those, literally, uh, you would do that as opposed to that's fantastic and, and accepting us um, where we are. So that sounds a lot like just culture when you talk about how, how we don't just examine uh, or go right to the person and say, you messed up, you failed. Um, and I'm curious how you, how you feel that fits into the, the kind of the leadership styles that you had mentioned and, and what you've felt drove that uh, kind of, uh, you know, I think we still try to use it, but again, you talked about from the onset uh, of just after the introduction, being flexible. And I, and I want to go back to that. And if I say it 400 times in the time that we're together, um, leaders 
um, subordinates, managers, new employees, old tenured, uh, you know, 20, 30 year members of an organization. You didn't get where you are without having been flexible and having a balance to something. You determined what you needed to do to get where you were. And yet, in some reason, way, shape, or form, um, we look, were looked at as ineffective, inefficient, or that's inappropriate for the we're uh, here and now because somebody's looking at it through their lens of perspective, and and uh, and we find it unacceptable. So I said a lot. You said a lot. Wherever you want to dive into these things that we've been talking about, I would love to hear. So I, I think we're going to dive in and kind of go flexibility bias and a lot of things rolled into one here because they all are going back to a key theme of leadership, but they're all going back to that constant learning environment too. So you bring up a good point about bias. And, you know, for the long time, I've always said that if you've seen one EMS agency, you've seen one EMS agency. And, you know, we can go through imposter syndrome. We can go through all these other outside factors. But really, I think our biggest fear is we want to move away from change because change is bad and good all in the same thing. And, you know, the human nature is not to accept change. It's, you know, if it's not my idea, I don't want to do it. So we need to go into that flexibility, but we need to get past our own bias. And one of the things I've always challenged my students and I challenge coworkers and peers to do is look at it from outside. You know, we know what we know. But until you start looking at what other people know and trying to find those golden nuggets hidden within their knowledge, we're not doing anything of a service other than creating the culture that my agency or my organization will run this way. And we don't do a really good job of taking people who have their own what's in it for me. You know, I have my own intrinsic interest that I really like to do. And if I go into an agency thinking that you're going to help those grow, or I don't want to say exploit them, but utilize them or leverage them to your advantage in the agency and make me feel part of the team, I'm not going to stay. And we can talk about generational discussions of, you know, back in the day, the, the older generations are more brand loyal. They'll stay with an agency till they retire. The, the newer generations are, I want to get experience here, go apply it somewhere else to keep growing in the financial food ladder. There's a whole bunch of outside factors that are playing this, but it all goes back to our own bias of what we know. You know, I've seen students and I've seen coworkers come in with the idea of, well, this is what I did in my last job. Okay, well, does that work? Well, I thought it did, but now I see here we do something different and it's working better. Well, would you have ever thought to change that? Well, our boss wouldn't have listened. Well, we need to be able to research and explain why these theories and processes work better. You know, we come in with the idea of saying, Eric, I want this new toy on the ambulance because, you know, the people down the road have it. We should have it too. Well, does our call volume support utilizing the toy? If not, why are we going to waste money on that that could be put into other projects? We don't get into the discussion of why, how, or, you know, what the scientific and clinical background of the information is. We just go, I want, I need. So we need to look at that. And I, yes, I'm a big proponent of going to academia and going to colleges, whether they're brick and mortar or online, it doesn't matter where you're going, but to learn something new, but to learn to do research, we don't have to go to a traditional college. We can go through programs at the National Fire Academy. There's other opportunities to learn. We just have to seek them out. There's a whole world of information at our fingertips. And if we're not knocking on the door and seeking what's on the other side, we're not getting growth mentally, educationally, or even physically in our organizations. So we need to look at that beyond just where we're at. Um, yes. And, and I'm very interested. You had mentioned something before we started recording and I, and I want to do a retrospective dive, um, because as what we're saying, and it's, and it's kind of the argument of the naysayer that we would encounter in our organizations, in our administrations that we would have to deal with the, the whole mindset that, um, 
Well, this is the same thing I heard a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. You're talking about the same things and the same things. Um, we're, we're looking at them if, if you would allow and, and, you know, put me in check if you feel that uh, I'm, I'm misspeaking. We're looking at making suggestions, but not just for the sake of empowering you or for you to stand out, but to understand how the impact financially, clinically, um, education-wise, the rollout or the purchase or, or how the implementation of what you want to bring to the organization would do. It's easy to start yelling in the corner during meetings and just say, I want, we need, I want, we need, you need, I need, I need, I need, we need. Um, and, and that's kind of a mindset where when we go back to 1996 and EMS accreditation was something that was ballyhooed and people were like, you know, there were ardent supporters and then there were these um, pitchfork into the ground, no naysayers. Um, it's interesting. We, we, we almost came full circle. So um, with, with what the NREMT was hoping to do and, and I'm curious, and, and again, leaving a lot of room for specific conversation and, and expanding the conversation, but we, we've come nearly full circle from all the way back in 1996 when something sounded good and, and the majority of people were on board or at least those in positions of power. Um, and, and, and I mean that with all due respect and, and deference, not, not just because they were, it was their ideas and they decided to do something, but where an accreditation standard for education and the ability for us to certify um, a person, a student in the vocation slash profession, because call it whatever you will, industry, profession, vocation, um, we systemically from top to bottom across the board and not individual organizations or people are still far missing the mark um, because we don't know how to identify ourselves and standards and essential service and funding and mileage versus clinical skills and all these things that we've all talked about ad, ad nauseum. So you and I aren't different, but yet we want to be change makers because we're passionate about the things that we're sharing. Um, you had said something that really lit me up when you talked about the EMS accreditation standard in 1996 or the desire to have one. And were you surprised, Aaron, that the NREMT rescinded their uh, thoughts, or at least they put this out there and they, and I'm not sure if they were really expecting as much um, input that they received from, from the public and different organizations from physicians to owners to managers to just a, um, a paramedic from Oklahoma that wrote and said, I don't think that this standard is acceptable or removing a certain standard would be acceptable. So again, for good, bad, or otherwise, you and I have been sharing kind of bulk topics and kind of addressing them back and forth like a like a heavyweight tennis match. Um, curious what your thoughts are, um, but I think you really like hit hit a grand slam when when you talked about what we saw as a vision in 1996 and what we're seeing changing or attempting to be changed. And, and I'm curious as, as to what your thoughts are as to the reasons why, and was it for expediency sake or, or, or what? So Eric, if you'll indulge me for a second, as you're talking, I, I, I'm a movie fan and there's several movies that really have powerful quotes or lines in them. And if you go back to the movie Drumline, one of the lines in there is one band, one sound. Yes. And unfortunately in our, our industry, our, our, profession, our calling, whatever identifier you want to use, we don't have one band, one sound. We have a lot of little bands trying to beat the drum and create the, the same cadence for everything that we want to see. But a lot of it goes back to that old salty person in the corner or the young buck in the other corner who really wants to do something. And it's that back and forth, almost drum battle of 
who's going to win. And that's where, as a leader, we need to kind of come out of that, our own bias and look at things from the, the knowledge and perspective to understand where we can go forward and create one band, one sound. Now, switching that one band, one sound into our, our discussion about 1996 and the original education for the future models and creating accreditation and moving forward in those, one of the things that we came up with was a consensus document that created that one band and one sound. While we had some people who may not have been aligned with the ideas of where we we're going, we were able to create effective change. We move forward and then we have our, a partner agency saying, well, you know, we want to change this. Well, honestly, making change is okay, but there's not enough detail or background as to why the change was necessary or effective or what would have been the overall outcome to this. So looking back at that, you know, uh, I'm happy to see that the outpouring of comments allowed the National Registry to review and understand that this was going to take us back. And really, it kind of links to another thing that I saw on Facebook, and I'll, I'll applaud our Office of State Fire Commissioner here. Um, him and I are working very well together, and Chaz is a great guy. But he shared with us a, a posting on Facebook that I'll summarize briefly that a bunch of baseball coaches were attending a national conference, and this storied coach came out onto the stage to deliver his keynote address with home plate hung around his neck. And he asked the question of in little league, what size is home plate? How big is it? And a, a coach in the audience questionably said 17 inches, like wasn't hundred percent sure, but you know, one to put something out there. And the coach on stage answered, you're correct. What size is it in teenager league? 17 inches. What size is it in college? 17 inches. What size is it in the minor leagues? 17. What size is it in the pros? 17. So we've established the standard of home plate as 17 inches. Now, if you have a pitcher who cannot get the ball across that 17-inch home plate in the strike zone, what do we do? Do we make home plate 18 inches? Well, they still can't make 18. Do we go to 20? Do we go to 25? No. You educate and you work with that person to meet the standard. We don't change the standard because we can't meet the standard. We're, we need to change our educational model to grow. And if we're changing the standard to make it easier, we're going to continue to have different bands playing different sounds, and we're not moving forward in a profession and we're watering it down. We need to focus on making sure that we have education that goes to a great cognitive and psychomotor capability. And to do that, we need to focus on the term education, not training. Oftentimes in, in all of my careers, I've heard that, you know, the number of training hours continues to go up for our providers. Well, yeah, because we're becoming greater clinicians. Think back to when EMS started. The goal was scoop, run, and pray to get someone to the hospital. Your vehicle, when EMS started, was a hearse. And in many cases, was started by the funeral home in the community. Put the little gumball machine light on top rush to the scene, pick the person up. And if they expired before they made it to the hospital, we just take them to the funeral home. What care did we do? Very minimal. What do we have now? We have agencies that have mobile ECMO units. We have mobile stroke units. We've taken the gamut of healthcare to a whole new level in pre-hospital care. And if we want to continue to try to change standards to lessen them, we're going to go back to those days. And that's not where we need to be as a profession. And I, I want to echo something and, and thank you for, you know, for a listener that is new to EMS or knows that you have a role at this uh, higher level of, of learning as, a, as an instructor or saw, wow, I saw this guy on LinkedIn and he has this role with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and I want to listen to, to, to him. And, and so for kind of that histrionics that, you know, the naysayers can be like, we all know that, Aaron. Um, and having conversations, uh, even reiterating and reaffirming what we know, so we maybe don't repeat that again. And and there's and I'm and I'm bastardizing that comment. Um, but you know, when we when we don't know our history, we are doomed to repeat it. Particularly if it was something that was uh, not 
relational, not as professional, not as educated as we could have done by, with, and for a human or a community um, or, or communities of people. I'm, I'm really curious what your thoughts are on why people get angry, ugly, mean, nasty when a, a competing organization um, chooses to uh, have a mobile ECMO unit, a mobile stroke unit, a mobile XYZ, that they have clinicians at, at an advanced level uh, teamed up with the physicians or, or the team members that, that are responsible for utilizing, you know, you'll see everyone from doctors to EMS leaders to paramedics and, and, and everyone between that has an opinion, but not a solution, uh, complaining and, and, and the B word that ends in ING um, about why this is this and that, and, and yet not reflectively looking, uh, not being introspective but always pointing out what they think is, is, is silly, dumb, doesn't make sense financially. Um, as a leader, as a manager, you have to be able to see people in all those lights. And, and you know, we talk about our own personal blind spots and, and those are the things that, in getting to know you um, professionally, you are seeking out your blind spots uh, on a regular basis. And, and a lot of that is education because it's not training that does that. It's, it's, it's education and, and knowledge and, and relationship. And, and that includes with ourselves. But so going back to the actual question, as a leader and as a manager, when you see this attitude behavior, first of all, where do you think it permeates from? Where, where does it resonate? Where does it get its inception? And why... Um, is it so pervasive still within our profession, industry, vocation, all the different words that we hear um, from, from our peers uh, across the industry that we can't even agree on what we're going to call ourselves? So another big question, but curious what your thoughts are. So I, I think one of the, the biggest issues that we have, and this goes back to our type A personality and emergency services, and I'm going to umbrella it. It's not just EMS. This, this is an issue I've seen across the board. We have an issue of, I want to be the first, not the best. And when I say that is it comes down to the idea that I want to be the first ECMO unit. I want to be the first mobile stroke unit. I want to be the first tactical EMS unit. There are very few people that want to be the first and the best because competing that way in the way we're setting things up, sometimes people see that being the first one to cross the finish line gives you the ultimate experience because you can hold that flag out and say, I was the first. Well, you know what? I'd rather be dead last and be the best at what we're doing and have people look at our organization and go, wow, they have everything down from the standard operating procedures to this, to that. That is what we want to be. You know, it, it goes back to the term market leader. And when you look at a market leader, it's the where people want to go work for that agency. You know, they're proud to display the patch. They're proud to work for that agency. They know that the leadership of the agency is invested in them. They're invested in the organization. They know that when they're driving down the road in the ambulance, that they are a billboard for that organization and they are the best in the community. We all go back to, we want to be the best, but it's easier to be the first. And that I think kind of permeate some of the problems that we experience is the fact that we're in a rush and we miss those educational opportunities. And yes, again, I will say I'm a big proponent of the fact that education should be sought through degrees and the capability of explaining, learning the theories and being able to write beyond just the technical writing that we do in patient care reports or in memos and decision memos that are in our organization. But I think we also can look at other opportunities for education, including looking at our colleagues in other places and trying to find mentorship to create bench strength. You know, I mentioned Rob, I've listened to Kelly and I've listened to uh, other people along the way and I'm, I'm trying to find and pull things out. And, you know, I will say that none of us are subject matter experts. None of us have the silver bullet but we all have a capability of looking at and pulling information from our experiences to talk to people and to give you ideas. Now, again, that idea may fail in your organization because it doesn't work the way we've experienced it because of countless different things. But 
trying to look at a global picture of how things work is key and critical to our success, our future, all those things that relate to our EMS system has to be through being open and honest and having clear discussions and listening to people and kind of going back to that, you know, I, I hear so-and-so beating the drum over and over again of this is what works. This is what doesn't. Well, maybe try something that they've said. It doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but try, open up, listen to those people who are putting themselves out there and explaining their background and showing you what they've learned or telling you, you know, find those mentors. It's the only way for us to grow that bench. It's, uh, it's funny that you say that um, all, all the different things that we do with our training and I try to personally do um, to be inclusive, to provide a safe psychologically or a psychologically safe environment. And, and what I mean by that is not just a safe space, but for every member from bottom to top, side to side um, within your organization, have an opportunity to give their, their ideas and for them to be accepted even without agreement this is the power of yes, the power of yes and, where you give something and you receive something and it allows for collaboration and listening and feedback. And I'd asked you one of the things why you think that there are issues and why we eat our young and, and we treat people poorly. Um, I, I tell this to everyone across the board that I meet or talk with, the best Thing that I know, the, the most assured I am in anything is that I, the things that I know I don't know. And, and that gives me a vulnerability, but also a, a commensurate strength that, that goes along with that. And I'm learning that that congruence of vulnerability uh, and strength are paramount to me. Uh, being relational, to having integrity of word and action. You know, I, I say often the best sermon is a good example. Um, you know, does the, where does the rubber meet the road is, is what you're saying, what you're actually doing, or are you just doing this for a book or a report, but you've not seen any outcomes or measurables that actually says that it's sustainable in any way, shape or form, or that it's not even harmful. And, and integrity is a massive thing. You said honesty, um, about 30 seconds ago and having honest conversations uh, being included and in, in knowing the whys because everyone always tells us in management and leadership and your mother, your father, you know, people you're in a relationship with, just remember your why and everything will be okay. And, and sometimes it is as easy as remembering your why, the roots, the foundations of what you did to get to where you are to serve people. And I, ultimately we're in the service of people um, from the street level practitioner to the person that you hold uh, the position in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, you there, there's a person that you're serving. Um, and also there should be this confluence of I'm serving others and I'm also serving my future by getting education, by getting different career opportunities. Um, but yet, because somebody else doesn't have that or doesn't have that mindset. And I think mindset matters, EMS improv, engage, be mindful. When we fail to see others where they are, and that's perspective, which you brought, uh, brought up several times. We well, Eric, can't, go ahead, yeah. I, you, you mentioned something here and I don't wanna lose this thought. So you, you talk about the why, remember your why, but in that weakness, in that unknown of what we don't know, one of the things that we also have to work with in our leadership in those honest and open conversations is explaining the why when it's a negative response. Oftentimes, you'll see leaders come out and go, no, we're not doing that. Well, again, we're, we're what's in it for me? Well, if we're not doing it, why? What, what can I do to help present this in a more logical or unbiased perception that shows that this has financial benefit, it has clinical benefit, it has agency benefit, 
what can I do to better your understanding? How can I go back and grow? It's that feedback loop. If you're just telling me no, like you're beating the person down and they're not going to have an open conversation anymore because every time they have an idea or they say something, it's always no. Well, give them a no and explain the why. You know, that helps them understand, it helps them grow and it helps them be more connected in that organization. That weakness is not something that should just be capitalized on because I can say no. You need to help them grow. So helping people grow, helping organizations grow, um, helping yourself grow. Um, those are tenants of the person that we've been uh, speaking with. We, because uh, I have a dog and my wife here at the house. Um, I don't know why we came up. There's no other we than Aaron and myself. Um, but Aaron Roan, he's got his PhD. He's got his uh, master's um, in, he's got his MS in emergency management and his master of public administration. He's the uh, continuing to learn person. He is a person that I've come to know and see through social media and professional links and, and listening and following what he does uh, to understand that he has a blind spot, that he may have a bias, that he doesn't know everything. And, and these ladies and gentlemen, um, they, they are 100% strengths. Um, I'm grateful for what you've shared. And, and Aaron, there's going to be a time and there's going to be a topic because we have hammered a lot of things, and, but we served up a lot of uh, more questions for some people. Um, I, I would love for an opportunity uh, to meet again on, on the CMS Improv podcast and, and maybe do a deep, deep dive into something kind of more uh, a doctoral kind of look at something that uh, as we hear and get feedback from our listeners through GEMS and through, through, our, uh, through our LLC um, and, and through you and the listeners that you'll have as you share this as well, something that might be very transformative and, 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 and change worthy. And, and I think everything that we talk about is change worthy. It's just how it may or may not fit where you currently are. And, and that's the human cost, the financial cost, the, the, the community, the ability to sustain it. We talked about, we didn't even really get into sustainability today, but we did talk about integrity and honesty. Um, if you can look, well, people that aren't honest can look themselves in the mirror. So that's not even a good comment. Um, no, I guess from my perspective, um, know what you're willing to deal with and put up with. And as long as it doesn't change you uh, adversely and you're able to, for whatever needs, financial, um, whatever the most basic needs are that you have as a human being, if your needs are being met under that and yet it's not the best place for you and you may not have the opportunity to leave, um, you're doing good things because you're doing something that's keeping your, yourself engaged. And, and, and when we can be engaged, even if it's not the best environment, um, there's not a, a, a succession or opportunity for me to advance and matriculate. Um, you can still be in service of others and do exceedingly well without that title. And that's Aaron, something you mentioned very near to the beginning of this. And, and I'd love for you to take the opportunity to kind of close out in the next couple of minutes. Um, hammer home a couple of these thoughts you had, uh, something that you've written down that pops back into your head that uh, we didn't touch upon, but for you sharing your passion, your dedication to education, and, and then seeing that that training and education are, are equal and completely separate simultaneously, and how they fit roles within organizations where, where you want to strive and you see yourself striving to be a better version of yourself every time you react and respond to something. Um, Self-evaluation is really important. So Aaron, I'd like to, you know, last couple of minutes, give you an opportunity to just, again, free reign opportunity to share some thoughts and ideas and visions that um, you've implemented, would like to implement. And, and, uh, and for that one person out there that's, you know, struggling and, and, and looking at maybe potentially having to shutter the doors as we know from colleagues across the country, they're doing it um, weekly for whatever reasons. Um, but Aaron Rohn, the floor is yours, sir, again. So Eric, I, I think in, in closing out, I think 
honestly, I will come back and be part of this at any point in time because getting the message out and explaining to people that we might not always have the right answers. We might have suggestions. It's always worth a try is there. It, it, the only way we're connecting with people is to tell our story and kind of come back to that one band, one sound and try to get everyone to look outside of their own agency and learn and grow, whether that be formal education, informal education, all those things are important to us. And I think one of the biggest things that we need to consider as we're wrapping up here is the fact that we are human. Leaders are human. We're not robots, just like the people that we lead are not robots. And um, one of my colleagues in South Africa had made a comment and it resonates with me that if you are leading and no one is following, you're just out taking a walk. Well, how do we get people to follow us? And that's through honesty. You know, yes, I stumble. Yes, I fall. But getting back up and trying to work and learn from those and trying not to do the definition of insanity of it, repeating the same actions and hoping for a different outcome are important to our growth as leaders. We have to look at the fact that, you know, there is a big difference between education and training. Education gets into the theories and the practices. And, you know, if you look at education in the clinical aspects, we're teaching people and we're educating them on making differential diagnoses to understand the pathophysiology and the disease process and how we change the outcomes based off of our clinical interventions. And we have to have a cognitive understanding and that psychomotor capability. We have to have a big growth in how we can do those. But to do that, we have to be vulnerable. We have to understand. And I will say that in my, my leadership learning, it's a daily learning occurrence. You know, as we were talking today, there's things that you've said that I've pulled out of, you know, being human and understanding that flexibility. And, you know, just the fact that you were willing to thank me for adjusting on this means something to me, but also in the same aspect, it shows that we are connecting as people to understand that life situations are important. You can't lead from a bubble and being out there and being able to do the same thing. I'm not saying that as the leader, you have to be on the truck every day, showing the people that you can do it. But I will say that I've seen battalion chiefs and large city fire departments who will go out and wash their own truck and not ask their driver to do it because it's part of the connection. You're part of the family. We are a big family, regardless if you're in Oklahoma, Ohio, Pennsylvania, wherever, EMS is a family. And we need to grow and kind of look at it not as the big brother picking on the little brother when we hire somebody new, but we need to understand and be cognizant that weakness is not a negative weakness shows that you're willing to grow and be vulnerable so i i think that's my biggest thing is one be transparent be honest accept that vulnerability but always continue to seek new growth and learn something new every day i think that's outstanding um your your graciousness and and, and even reflecting back uh to me thanking you i think i think that's massively important um, and, and then grace, ladies and gentlemen, something you don't hear a lot of times in, in podcast about EMS or um, anything, unless it, there's a religiosity or spirituality to the podcast. And, and in this case, maybe there was, maybe there wasn't, but to have grace for other people and for yourself, you, you will be able to do and, and get through so many more adverse, negative, bad unfortunate circumstances um and and i think that with everything that you're doing and have done aaron uh, and all the opportunities that you have for for people to hear you it's it's been a privilege to have you uh share some thoughts and pearls and and even for the for the person that needed to hear the same thing for the hundredth time or the nth degree uh you're welcome because you know that it's not about you, Aaron, in your name and the person that you are. And I know that it's not me, Eric, in the name and the person that I am. It's about the passion and the tools and, and, and the things that we've shared that we've done completely differently. And yet the measurables are, are equal. The outcome has been improvement in some area of our personal, professional um, worlds. And, and the overlap is the commonality. So the human perspective, the flexibility that you talked about, understanding bias, understanding balance, 
um, I, th- I think will go a long way in us all being successful, slowing down. And I love the um, one band, one sound. I love that movie. I could watch it a thousand times a day almost. Um, I love music. Um, and at the same point in time, that resonates and looking outside of our industry. Um, and, and we're going to go a few more minutes. Do you have the time, Aaron? Oh, I, I definitely do. And uh, one thing before we go into that, I, I want to say that there's one thing that you've mentioned here is, you know, while we, we did retrospect of thanking it from the start, you've also given me a platform here to repeat messages in a slightly different way. And I don't want to say that I'm stealing someone else's ideas because that's not the case, but opening up the idea and having someone else explain something from their perspective might have shown somebody else that, you know, the Kelly Grayson's of the world or the Aaron Rohn's of the world or the Eric Chase's of the world, we all have a passion to affect change. And if we're putting ourselves out there, yeah, there's going to be the naysayers that go, yep, those guys are just doing it to get their brand out there. I don't have a brand. That's not who I am. My brand is passion for the EMS. That That is what is there. It's internal passion of growth. And until we do look past our name or something else that we're doing, you know, we're not benefiting the system. And to me, I think those folks out there that we're doing this and we're getting out there and we're giving that message, we're trying to affect change. And we're hoping that somewhere, somewhere, someone gets that one little nugget of information and goes, you know what, I can make a change. And this is how I can do it. You know, applying something you've learned somewhere else. And looking outside of the people and the places that have continued to do it the same each and every day. And, and there are, you know, recipes, you know, when to come back to Pennsylvania, I'm like, uh, people like it's in the water. That's why the bread is so good. Or like the Delaware River, it's in the water. It's the amount of salt. It's the whatever, you know, I can't get what I can't get there here. Right. Um, and, and, all of that to say, I was just at a conference two weeks ago, had an opportunity to present with a physician. Uh, we have a great relationship. We did some cool things. But the best part of it is we listened and heard other people tell and share their stories about clinical decision-making, about life that had nothing to do with uh, medicine in any way, shape, or form, yet it had everything to do with medicine because it talked about relationships and interpersonal perspectives and biases and leadership tenants and and all the different things uh alex sheen i i had lunch with him he's the guy that said because i said i would um the humility in a person like that and in an aaron Rohn and in a kelly grayson and in a rob lawrence and then uh so many awesome people that you and i both know um if we give the space to hear that perspective, and you just literally and eloquently said that, Aaron, so I just wanted to piggyback on that. Um, we're not doing it to, to, to just blow the eight. You know, when Jem said, hey, we'd love for you to do this because we, we hear that you're positive and, and we see what you put out there on social media. And a lot of what I put on social media is a derivative of what somebody else taught with taught me shared with me and uh one of the things i tell audiences uh aaron is that uh we're wi-fi connected and people that are sciencey get it but we do have these things that are literally called mirror neurons and where the positive or the negative goes in the personality traits or the professional traits or the managerial traits will be where we go as an organization or as a family or as a loved one a spouse a, a son a father um the strongest of those traits, positive or negative, are going to be where we go. And uh, I wouldn't have known that had I not studied, um, you know, anatomy and, and physiology and psychology and neurobiology. And I do that for personal identification and also um, professional growth, uh, which is one of the things that when I when I first came across the person that you are was I was gobsmacked at the level of attention you put to furthering uh, your personal and professional advancement um, to sustain the person that you are and the desires that you have 
for that growth and that that mental acuity and that leadership track and and and, and all those things. So I think in this point we will actually close because your time is valuable, and it is a holiday. Um, for those of you that uh, were curious when we're recording, it is Labor Day. It is September 5th of 2022. Uh, for all of you that continue to do hard work and or did hard work, we don't want to forget retrospectively um, on this Labor Day in the United States um, with all the good and all the bad and all the ugly and everything in between. Uh, I know, uh, speaking for myself, uh, you matter, you're appreciated, and I learned something from each and every one of you. Aaron, where can people reach out to you and find you if they want to uh, learn more about who you are and what you might be able to do for them from an so education? I'm, so I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, and I'm also on Facebook as well. Um, but my ultimate goal is to have people reach out to me, um, especially for working through the education side, is through my, my work at Columbia Southern University. So um, Eric, I'm not sure if you can post an email address in, in this or if you'd just rather me rattle it off. Yeah, so I probably could. I haven't even delved into that. Uh, all these little things about uh, being a year in and, and still figuring out, hey, we can do that. And then the awesome, awesome, awesome Jeff Frankel at GEMS, uh, the Journal of Emergency Medicine, who does all these things, like makes it sound better, takes out my stammering at times or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I can certainly reach out to him. But if you do not mind giving it over the air so people can reach out to you and then i'll see when when we do your little bio and pick beside our uh, our logo and and the podcast itself um i'll make sure that we try to do everything we can to get that in there as well perfect so the easiest way to reach me is going to be through email it's going to be aaron which is a a r o n dot roan r h o n e at columbia southern dot edu all right Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the EMS Improv Podcast, where we have engaged with Aaron Rohn, where we try to be mindful of each other's viewpoints and biases and desires to learn and grow. And we have heard and shared stories. We are powered by gems. And until next time, um, continue to be safe, do well, continue to grow and have that growth mindset.